going to start this morning a new series, just two weeks, called Get a Grip. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about money, but we want to go beyond money and talk about ourselves and who we are. Um, so this sermon this morning from Matthew chapter 25 is about money, but it's about more than money. Uh, because it turns out that perhaps there is no better diagnostic tool to evaluate a person's heart, uh, a person's soul, if you will, than looking at how they manage money and how they view money. Now, don't take it from me, please. Uh, this is something our Lord and Savior talked about. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, your wallet, your checkbook, there your heart will be also. We can see where your heart is by following the money. We can see where your heart is by following the money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, in other words, where you spend where you save or what you save and how you invest, that will help us to see your heart very clearly. Now, that may sound a little strange. At first, I'll admit it sounds a little strange to me. It stretches me. I, I, it really is, is that really true? But you know, Jesus said it, and the more I think about it, the more it seems to make sense. It shows me my values. It says something about my fears, how I save and how I invest. It tells a lot about me. Challenging statement to be sure. Now, during his three-year ministry, I've shared this with you before, how Jesus talked an awful lot about money. I mean, he said more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined. And somewhere around a third to a half of all of the parables that he told had to do with our finances, our money, our possessions. Um, and he talked about that because when he's talking about our money, he's talking about us. He's talking about who we are, what we care about, at our core, what is our identity. Now, no one would look, right? I think this is how Jesus can get away with this. Okay? Because no one would look at Jesus and think, oh, that guy, he was all about the Benjamins. That guy was all about money. I mean, he thought about money all the time. Look at the way he lived. There was no lavish lifestyle. There was no big income. I mean, his money, the little that he had, came from generous donations from people that supported his ministry. Um, and when he died, the sum of his assets, literally the clothes on his back. Right? I mean, the Roman soldiers divided up his assets at the foot of the cross with a game of chance. Um, the weird thing is that while Jesus didn't seek to enrich himself and while Jesus didn't live a lavish lifestyle, he was talking about money all the time. Because our money reveals who we are. Jesus couldn't help but notice that people tend to love things that can't love them back. Jesus couldn't help but notice that people 
tend to love money and use people instead of loving people and using money. Peter Marshall, former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, one time was approached by a wealthy man who came to him and he said, Dr. Marshall, I've got this question about tithing. Back when I was much younger and I was making $20,000 a year, it wasn't so hard to tithe. I mean, 10% of 20, that's $2,000. I could give away $2,000. But now that I'm making over half a million dollars a year, now that I'm making over 50, uh, sorry, $500,000 a year, a tithe is $50,000. And I can't afford to do that, Dr. Marshall. And he decided not to give an opinion on that. But he said, would you be all right with us praying about that? And the man said, sure. So Dr. Marshall said, okay, let's bow our heads. And he prayed this bold, courageous, authoritative prayer. He said, dear Lord, this gentleman has a problem with money. I pray that you will reduce his salary back to the place where he can put you first where he can afford to tithe. In your name, amen. Now that was not the answer that that man was seeking. I'm confident, right? But it was probably the prayer, exactly the prayer that he needed. Look, we talked about this last week. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Jesus did not apply for a part-time position in your life. Um, but... And he's not interested in being your spiritual advisor. He's Lord, all right? He's Lord. Now, the thing is, he's loving. And he's gentle. He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to force you to declare him Lord. So each of us is left with a decision about whether or not we will surrender control to Jesus. Will I follow him or not? Will he be my Lord or not? Which gets us back to Jesus' sermon on money in Matthew 25, which is really about a lot more than money. He tells a story, and you've probably heard the story before, about a wealthy gentleman who is preparing to go on a trip, not a two-week vacation, a long voyage, think years and so since he is wealthy and has many assets, he needs to entrust these assets to his team. So he talk, calls together his servants, his employees, and he puts them over certain spheres of his, of his investment portfolio. One person receives five talents of silver. That is a lot of money. It would be about $5,000. In those days, it would be worth a, a, a virtual fortune. So one fellow receives five talents of silver. He calls the next one in. He receives uh, care over 2,000 talents. And the final receives uh, the, the, the authority, the, the, the challenge to manage 1,000, or one, sorry, one talent of silver. It's five talents, uh, two, and one. And he's going to be gone for a very long time. So he heads off. He goes off on, on this trip. And he's gone, and he's gone, and he's gone, (laughs) 
And then one fine day, boom, he returns. The master is back from his trip. Now, he didn't get rich by being a fool about money. He was wise. So he had not forgotten how much money he had. He had not forgotten that he had entrusted it to He had not forgotten the exact amounts he had entrusted to each servant. And so the first thing he does when he returns from this long trip is he calls them one by one to give an accounting of exactly what they did with his money what kind of return on investment did they get? How much profit would they show on what he entrusted to them? The guy who received a whole bunch, five talents of silver, came in and said, Master, I doubled your money. Here are ten talents of silver. The master, as you might imagine, was very pleased, was thrilled in fact gave him a promotion, gave him a raise, threw him a party. Come share in your master's joy. That means enjoy my stuff. The guy with two talents came in, same story. I doubled your money. The master was ecstatic, gave him a promotion, gave him a raise, invited him to this party. Uh, and then the third servant, the one who had been entrusted with one talent of silver. Well, he had chosen to play it safe, so he thought. He had simply buried the master's money, dusts it off, hands it back to the master. The master was unhappy. According to Jesus in this parable, the master called him lazy. The master called him wicked and the master called him worthless wow the servant and this is important this third servant this is important he blamed the master for his failure to handle that money well he blamed the master check this out in verses 40, uh, 24 and 25 he said master I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So, because of you, right, I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is exactly what belongs to you. Interesting, right? I failed because of you. I failed because uh, of your greatness, because you have these big expectations and, and they ca that caused me to be afraid and so I just kind of hid your money, I kind of buried it so here's the money, here's what you gave me well things did not end well for this third servant outer darkness, um, he's basically fired, he's sent away never to come back so in the story, yes, there are possessions in the story there are investments in the story there are there's accounting going on but the story is about a lot more than money isn't it if you pay attention it's about our relationship to God it's about what are we going to do with everything the Lord has given us and so it gets back to who I am or rather in the story whose I am which gets us to point number one about getting a grip on money 
dot, 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 and much more. If you'd write this down on your outline, here goes. Number one is this. I acknowledge that everything I have belongs to the Lord. Everything I have belongs to the Lord. Hashtag ownership. The principle of ownership. Um, now I want you to do, listen. We've got the verse up here. It's a little bit small, but maybe, and it's on your outline as well. Could you read verse 14 with me? Uh, Jesus said, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. If you have a pen, if you have a pencil, put a circle around that word his two times in verse 14. His. Very important. His servants, his property. Interesting. Everything I have, for starters, everything I have, it's his. It's his property. I wouldn't have a home. I wouldn't have a car. I wouldn't have clothes. I wouldn't have health. I wouldn't have a brain. I wouldn't exist if it weren't for him. He is the author of life. He is generous. He gives us life. He gives us opportunities to learn and to work and to create and to dream and to plan and to prosper. And we, being faithful means... We don't forget that. We don't forget that what we have and what we make with all of that, really it's his. Really it's his. And it's amazing when you think about it, shocking really, that he allows us to use his stuff like he does. But remember, the story isn't just about money. In that verse, you circled the word his twice. It's his stuff, but it's his servants as well. You see, I'm his. You're his. Not just your stuff. We belong to him. He is our master. Now that would sound kind of possibly oppressive or unjust if you didn't know him. If you didn't know this master, this master who has, who has given you lavishly everything that you have, this master who has freely shared his treasures with you, this master who has given you his son to die in your place on the cross to save you, to set you free. That's the kind of master you serve. A servant Servant-hearted, good-hearted, loving, open-handed, generous master. And to belong to him. To know that you are his. That's a joyful place to be. Now, to not understand that, to not, for example, know the master that you serve... That leads to anxiety and fear just like you see from that third servant in the story. Not just at the end when he's being punished. Throughout the story, he tells us, I was afraid. I was fearful. That's the kind of life he lives. And in the end, when this life ends, and by the way, it will end for each one of us. When it, when it ends, we will leave whatever stuff we have, whatever money we have, we will leave it behind 
No big surprise there, right? Paul wrote to his, his protege, Timothy, in t- 1 Timothy 6, 7. He said, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. How true is that? So here's the second thing. I save, I spend, and I sacrifice with money knowing that one day I will be held accountable. One day I will be held accountable for how I used his money. Hashtag accountability, right? Or accounting for all you CPAs out there. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, like I said, this really isn't just about money. Everything I have is from the Lord. He's allowing me to use it right now, but there will be an accounting because it's not really mine. And this, this is about the time he has allotted me here. This is about the talents and abilities he has allotted us here. This is about uh, the influence that he has given you in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, with your friends. How are you using that influence he has allowed you to have? And yes, how are you using the money? All right. So number three, I'll be held accountable for that, but number three... I'm called to manage money and really everything he's given me by faith, not by fear. Hashtag hashtag trust. Trust. Called to trust in him. This is a whole other sermon, so I won't do it today. But it causes a lot of misery when we start comparing ourselves with others. What I have and what the other person has. That's not what we're supposed to do. Whether you have been given much or little the call is that you will live by faith and you will honor him with whatever that is that you have been given whether one talent five talents don't be stingy with your money don't be stingy with the intellect that you have been given with your love that you have to share with your talents that you have to share don't be stingy with that stuff that God has allowed you to have He wants you to distribute it. He wants you to share it. He wants you to be open-handed and generous just as he is. And in the story, each of the servants, yes, they each got a different amount, five, two, one, to take care of. But the master had the same expectation, that they would be faithful, not fearful with that that they would be open-handed with that. Number four, as I am faithful with my money, the Lord will grant increase. As I am faithful with my money, the Lord will grant increase. Hashtag growth. This is a very misinterpreted and abused principle um, in some circles, right? But the principle is there that as I'm faithful, that influence grows. And maybe it is an amount of money. Maybe it is your skill set, maybe it is your influence, but it grows as you're faithful. Verse 23, you have been faithful over a little. God says, I will set you over much. I'll give you a promotion. Right? 
And in the story Jesus told, it worked like this. The guy who had the one talent, remember the guy who didn't do anything with that money? His one talent was taken from him and given to the guy with ten. Ouch. That's not fair. Oh, yeah, it is. We know it's fair. We see this principle at work all over the place. It is completely fair. Take the little that you have and put it to work and watch it grow or do nothing with it and watch it shrink or disappear. The principle of the gym. Go to the gym. Take those little scrawny muscles that you have and work them out and watch them grow. Watch those muscles get bigger. Or do nothing with the muscles that you have and watch them wither away or atrophy. Little can become much. How about your mind? Study, read, stretch your mind, explore, get the neurons firing, and the mind gets sharper and stronger, or do nothing. And your mind will dull and weaken. I can be a slouch, or I can be a servant, a faithful servant. I can take what the Lord has given me, little or much, and work that and exercise that faithfully and watch that grow. And that's the invitation I have. Finally, number five is this. The Lord sees how I handle what he has entrusted to me and in the end he will reward me accordingly. He will reward me accordingly. Verse 23, I really like the sound of this. He says, you have been faithful. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, that's not a word that we hear much these days, right? That word, master, again. Sounds a little archaic, but it's the key to the whole thing. When Jesus becomes more than a spiritual advisor, more than a good moral teacher to you, more than a part-time prophet, when he truly becomes master to you, there's great reward in that. It starts when you accept what he won for you at Calvary at great personal cost. He bled for you. He died for you. He suffered shame and rejection for you to set you free from sin and shame to give you hope beyond this life. And when you believe on that, your eyes are open to just how much the Master, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, just how much the Master cares for you the value that he places, the way that he treasures you. You begin to see that when you look at the cross, which I believe is why he set it up for us to do that every week when we come together. We remember who he is, Master. We remember how, who we are. And the treasure that he sees us as. 
And so we live in that. We live in that wealth. We live in that love. We live in that grace. We live in that freedom here and now. And yes, we do look forward to that day. One day where we will see him face to face, where we will enter into our master's joy. And that's going to be a great day. So in the end, the sermon about money isn't so much about money. It's about us, who we are, how we see God. Are we a people moved by gratitude and love because of what the master has done for us? Is that who we are? Are we a people who live by faith? Or are we a people who live by fear? We'll know that when we look at our finances. And the big question. Is Jesus my master or not? And so this morning as we come into a new year, maybe you need prayers. There's something that's, that's just burdening your heart, and we would encourage you to pray about that before you even leave this property this morning. Get together with someone. Maybe you do that during our, our song here in just a few seconds. Um, maybe you need to respond by putting your faith in Jesus, declaring him to be master, declaring him to be Lord, and then exploring with him what that will look like for the rest of your life. However you need to respond, do that as we stand together and worship.